needed. You know, as we think about that gift of the wonderful cross, there's nothing greater for us to celebrate together. That it was the cross of Christ where the price was paid for our sin. But even as we celebrated last Sunday on Easter, the, the cross is just a part of the story because Jesus rose victoriously from the grave on the third day. And we have reason to celebrate not only the cross of Jesus, but the power of His resurrection that secured our salvation. This morning I'm excited that we will keep the kids with us in worship because on the last Sunday of the month, the fourth Sunday of the month, they stay in worship with us and get to hear me preach. And I know that for many parents that this is, uh, this is an extra long service each Sunday that we do that. But I always look forward to having our kids in our service. And I'm excited that you're here with us today, kids. When you came in, there were these bright pink children's worship bulletins that perhaps you picked up one of those and you have that. You can, you can follow along with the sermon this morning and the passage that we're going to study in Romans chapter 8 using that bulletin to help guide you as you think about these verses in Scripture that we're going to study together. And I would encourage everyone to turn in your Bible this morning to Romans chapter 8 as we are working our way through the book of Romans. Someone has said that Romans 8 may well be the single greatest chapter in, the, in all of the Bible. Now, that's a bold claim for sure, and, and I suppose at the end of the day, one that would be impossible to substantiate because it's, it's a matter of, of someone's opinion to a, a measure, I suppose. But it, it's, no, it's no understatement to say that Romans 8 contains some of the weightiest, the most significant uh, teachings, the key themes, key ideas that relate to not only the work of Christ on the cross, but the sustaining work of the Holy Spirit that guides us, that leads us day to day, and also the way that He secures for us not only our salvation, but our, our perseverance in our faith. You may well be aware of Romans chapter 8, verse 28, for example, which we will study next Sunday, that talks about all things working together for the good of those that love the Lord, who are called according to His purpose. Well, that's just a piece. That's literally just a, a snapshot, but a, a sliver of the truth and the goodness of God that is expressed to us in Romans chapter 8. And I'm excited for us to study these verses this morning, which are at the very center of this chapter. Romans 8, verses 15 through 17 that we will study together this morning in the time that we have. And one of the things that we'll see right away is this idea of adoption. When I was a very small child, I had several cousins who were adopted. And so I, I grew up uh, very comfortable with the idea of adoption and, 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 and loving people in my life who had been adopted into my family. In fact, I had uh, I had three cousins that were all within just a few years of, of my own age that were adopted and uh, we never knew any different. I mean, they were, they were as much family to us as anyone who was blood and have grown up with them and loved them. And as I've, as I've grown in my understanding of the Scripture and of the Gospel and of theology over the years, I've come to believe firmly that adoption is perhaps the most beautiful picture of the work of the Gospel in our lives that we, that we see just in sort of, if you, if you want to say, in the real world, right? So there's, 
there's theology and there's the understanding of the Bible and there's the context of the scriptures, but then there's also the real world that we live in and how we understand and apply these things, these truths, these key ideas into our lives, our everyday life. And I think adoption is such a beautiful picture of how that works, that, that it is through that picture of adoption that we understand that we have been adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High, that we are adopted as heirs and, and fellow heirs, co-heirs with Christ, even as we will see in this text this morning. Such a beautiful and important idea for us to understand. Let's read together Romans chapter 8. We're going to begin in verse 15 and just read through verse 17. Three verses this morning, but these are, these are weighty verses full of, of all sorts of goodness for us to consider together. Romans eight fifteen we read, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The word that shows up again and again in, in these verses is the word spirit. And it's referring to, in its context, it's referring to both the work of the Holy Spirit, but then also the spirit that we have. And so you'll, you'll notice as you read through these verses, there are times when the word spirit is capitalized. That's it, the reference to, a direct reference to the Holy Spirit. And then there are times when the word spirit is not capitalized, it's in lowercase. And, and that is reference to our spirit. And the contrast that's painted here, the picture that's painted is between the old way of life that we lived when we were trusting in ourselves, when we were, when we were bound in our sins. It's the picture of slavery. Now that's a theme that's been carried throughout several verses of the book of Romans. If you've been with us as we've been studying our way through this over the past several weeks, that idea of slavery and the freedom that we have from the bondage of sin, that's a theme that, that we can go all the way back to Romans chapter 5 and we can carry that idea forward. But no longer are we bound as, as slaves. No longer are we bound in bondage to our sin, but we've been set free through the salvation that we have in Jesus. And now we live as, as sons and daughters of, of God, as children of God, heirs together with Christ. And so it, it's so powerful that we see this. In fact, the work of the Holy Spirit itself really is instrumental in everything that we study in Romans chapter 8. Everything that we will study, and, and we will have, when it's all said and done, there will be four weeks, last week, this week, and two more weeks that are coming as we study our way through Romans chapter 8. And in each of these sermons, we will see that the Holy Spirit is instrumental in our lives, both in living by faith and walking by faith, in securing our salvation, in helping us persevere and continue by faith as we have trusted in Jesus. The work of the Holy Spirit is so important. And, and what we see particularly in these three verses, 15, 16, and 17, is how the Holy Spirit works in our lives so that we can live with confidence and that we can live by faith as we keep going. And so I want us to look. You'll notice if you've got your worship guide on the back side, there are three main points that I see in this text that I want us to study together this morning. And all three of these points are tied to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that Paul is teaching about here. The first 
point is, is this. We see in verse 15 that the Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is a gift. The Spirit is a gift. Notice that He says that you did not receive. That word, receive, right? You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. When we receive something, it's a gift that's given to us. You remember in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, we learn that the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. As we've trusted in Jesus by faith, we are given the, the free gift of God, which is eternal life. Freedom, forgiveness, newness of life through faith in Jesus Christ. What a powerful thing that is for us. And the Holy Spirit is the very, is, is the very means by which we receive the Lord by faith. And so oftentimes, when we are talking to someone about trusting Jesus, when we, when we are having a conversation with someone about, about surrendering our life to Jesus, trusting Him by faith, we, we will use words like, have you prayed to receive Christ? That's, you, you've maybe heard that language. Maybe you've used that language. Maybe even you've shared that with someone else before, talking about, have you prayed to receive Christ? And when we discuss that and we use that kind of language, what we're talking about really is the surrender that takes place as we submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And to say that we have received Christ, what we, what we mean by that is that we have surrendered ourselves. We have welcomed Him into our life. But what the Scripture teaches is it's the Holy Spirit that comes in to dwell with us. It's the Holy Spirit that comes to abide with us. It's the Holy Spirit, quite literally, that we receive by faith as we place our faith and our trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. And that Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of us when we get to the next point. We're going to dig down a little bit more into how that happens and, and what takes place. But before we go further with that, I, I, I think it's important to understand that this is, this is given to us freely. It's not something that we earn. It's not something that we have to follow a set of rules in order to receive this. It's not that, it's not that we, we, we come to the place where we acknowledge our need for salvation and then somehow we have to work. No, this is something that we receive freely by faith as we trust Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and receive the gift of His Holy Spirit. And as we receive the Holy Spirit, then we become children of God. And that's, the, the, that's why he uses this analogy here, this illustration, this picture of adoption, that we are adopted. And so we didn't receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, which, of course, that implies that the way that we lived before faith in Jesus was the way of slavery and, and, and a way of fear. And in fact, it was. And, and we've covered that at length in the last few weeks as we've been studying through and building up to this. But the way of, of life, the manner of life in which we live prior to faith in Jesus, it was a way of, a way of enslavement to fear, a, a way of bondage to sin and, and the fear that pervaded our hearts and our lives. But praise God, through Jesus, we're set free from all of that. The chains are released. The shackles are broken. The debt is paid so that we can live in freedom. And how is it that we are to live in this freedom? Well, by receiving the Spirit, being adopted in as children. And then he says, we're adopted, the Spirit of adoption by, uh, as sons, by the way, 
when he says there, as sons, the language that's used there doesn't literally mean just sons. This is gender-neutral, gender-inclusive language. It's referring to sons and daughters, men and women alike. But it's, it's an important concept nonetheless, because in the day and age in which Paul is writing, in the culture, the firstborn son was the, was the primary heir of a family name, of a family title, and a family's goods. And what he's saying essentially is that we are counted, all of us, women and, and men alike, girls and boys, all of us are counted as firstborn heirs through faith in Jesus, that we receive the full inheritance, the full adoption as sons, by whom, and then he says this, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That word Abba, you may well be familiar with this. Perhaps you've heard it preached or taught on before. The word Abba is, it's similar to our word Daddy, our word Papa. In fact, Across languages, what you find is that regardless of the language, in most any language has multiple words for father. And so typically there's the word, there's the word father or, or something, right? I mean, it's not that in another language. But there's a word that sort of signifies the role. But then there would be a word in the language that is indicative of more of like the, uh, the connection, the intimate bond. And it's a word often that we think of as an onomatopoeia, which is a word that kind of sounds like, right? It sounds like the, 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 the babbling of a young child. Dada, papa, daddy, right? And that's essentially this word Abba. This is an Aramaic word, which would have been in the language, the common language that Jesus would have spoken. And so to say that, that the, the, the Father God, God the Father, is, is Abba, He's not talking about a band from the 70s, right? He, he's, he's, talking about, he's talking about the word that would have meant daddy. We have a personal, intimate, up-close relationship. Yes, he is God the Father, but he's also, he's Abba, he's daddy. He's personal, he's intimate with us because we have been adopted in. And all of that is received as a gift. The Spirit is a gift. I think it's also important that we learn through these verses that the Spirit gives us a guarantee. The Spirit gives us a guarantee. Again, the very idea of adoption is, is, is indicative of this guarantee. This, this understanding is infused in this idea. But he goes further to describe this guarantee through his use of the word heirs. Right? So in verse 17, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God. Fellow heirs. Some English translations use the word there, co-heirs with Christ. So we are children of God by faith in Jesus. And we are heirs. Now think about what an heir is. What it means to be an heir. What it means to be an heir is that you receive an inheritance. That there is something that comes to you. Now that may be in the way of actual material physical possessions, right? And, and anyone that has ever lost a parent and received an inheritance, be it money or just even their, their, their property, their valuables. That if you've ever had to handle the estate of a loved one, then you know about the idea of an inheritance. This is familiar to you. But all of us can identify, even if you've never actually stood in those shoes or walked through that process, certainly we understand the idea of an inheritance, of the thing that we 
receive. I'm blessed that both of my parents are alive and in, in great health, and this is not something that I, I've lived uh, firsthand personally, and yet the idea of the inheritance is very near and dear to me. When, when I was a, a child, when I was a boy, I'm the middle of three boys, by the way, and my dad would often, he would say something to us uh, along the lines of, boys, that your last name means something. When, when people hear the last name Butler, they're not, just, they're not just thinking about you. They're thinking about me. And they're thinking about your grandfather. And they're thinking, that's our family name. And that name means something. I was raised to believe that my name was an inheritance. That it, that it carried weight and it carried meaning. And that, that my actions mattered not only because they were a reflection of who I was, but they were a reflection of of my family as well. And, and that's the similar kind of idea that we should understand here when we, when we hear this language of an heir. Because the way, practically speaking, the way that we live as heirs is not talking about wealth or material possession or actual physical things, right? Although, to be clear, there is coming a day, there is coming a glorious day on the other side of, of, of this mortal reality that we know, when we will step into an eternal reality, in the eternal presence of Christ, and an imperishable, the way that it's described in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, reality, where we will dwell forever. And in that place, in that, in, in that reality, in the presence of Jesus, there will be a very real inheritance. That we're talking about nothing short of heaven itself that will be our home for all of eternity in the presence of Christ and the fullness of His glory. What an amazing thing that will be. But for us in this day, in this moment, in this reality, we're not talking about an actual material inheritance. So this doesn't mean that when you trust Jesus by faith, then there, you know, there's, a, there's, there's a cash allotment that's given to you and now your bank account is full. Or, or, or there's, a, you know, there's a certain zip code that you move to. No, this is talking about the, the inheritance here. The, the fact that we are heirs is referring to more of the idea like what I described of my name means something. My, I, was, I was raised to believe that that, that means something. It's, it, it, it's indicative of who I am, my character, my position. That's what he's saying is that as children of God, we have a position. We have an identity. We have a relationship with a heavenly Father who we know as Abba, Father. And we are heirs together with Christ. This is something significant that we are His heirs. In the book of Galatians, in chapter 3, verse 29, and again in Galatians chapter 4, verse 7, and then we read in, in Titus chapter 3, verse 7 as well, we, we see this language of, this, of being heirs. This is a common theme of Paul's writing as he's writing to the church. And he's instructing them to understand that as children of God, by faith, we become heirs together, fellow heirs, co-heirs together with Christ. Meaning that we stand to receive the full inheritance, the full blessing, the full benefit of what it means to be a child of God. What an incredible thing that is. That the Spirit's presence in our lives is evidence of our position in Christ. The Spirit's presence in, in our hearts by faith is evidence of our position in Christ. 
And I think that this is made most abundantly clear in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Listen to these verses. If, if you're quick with the Bible, you might get there. If not, write this down so that you can, that you can go back to this later. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In Him, speaking of Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. What is the guarantee of our inheritance by faith? It's the Holy Spirit that's given to us. That word guarantee that's used there in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14, could be translated as the down payment, the deposit, the guarantee that is given securing our salvation. So we receive the Holy Spirit by faith as a gift. And that Spirit gives us a guarantee of our salvation. It's the guarantee of this inheritance that we receive by faith. The guarantee that we are children of God and heirs, fellow heirs together with Christ by faith. What a powerful truth that is. Once we walked in spiritual darkness, once we walked in, in the, the shadow of, of sin itself and its destructive work in our hearts and our lives, but through faith in Jesus, we are set free. And we receive that Holy Spirit by faith and are given this new identity, this new position and the evidence of that position, the guarantee of that position, is the Holy Spirit that is given to us by faith as we trust in Jesus. So the Spirit is a gift. The Spirit gives us a guarantee. And then finally we see that the Spirit brings growth. The Spirit brings growth. So how do we receive the Holy Spirit? We receive the Holy Spirit by faith as a gift. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit marks us. It, it, it marks us. It seals us as, as, as guaranteed to receive that inheritance. That we are, we are heirs together with Christ. What does the Spirit do? The Spirit works in us to lead us to know Christ. It points us to Jesus. And as the Holy Spirit is working in our hearts, working in our lives, that we may know Jesus, that we may follow Him, that we may persevere in our faith, we grow. The Spirit brings growth. And I think we, we see that, we understand that with the final phrase that's used here in verse 17. So the, the way verse 17 ends, he says, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. So here's the picture. That as heirs together with Christ we receive all of the benefit, all of the blessing, all that God has to give is bestowed upon us as heirs of the promise by faith. But that means that we too now, we share with the life of Christ. Not only in the victory that He won, not only in the power, His resurrection power over sin and death, but it means that also we can endure hardship and suffering in this life in order that we may be glorified with Him. Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 33, we read that Jesus says that in this world you will, you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And because Jesus has overcome, we too can overcome. Because Jesus overcame, we have overcome. And we can live in that power, that victory 
through the presence of, the power of, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as children of God. And what does the Spirit do? He brings growth. This growth, by the way, I think there are three things about this growth that I think it's important for us to understand. This growth often is painful. So he speaks here about suffering. And to be clear, growth, growth can be painful, just as suffering is, is painful. And I think it's important that we identify what suffering truly is, okay? Suffering does not mean that we don't get everything that we want. When he speaks of suffering here, he's not talking about the fact that, that maybe I don't have all the money or, or that, I, that I wished I had, or maybe I have to make choices, or maybe, you know, maybe I don't get to live in the, in the house that I wished I could live in or drive the car that I wish. Maybe I don't have the job that I wish. Maybe times are hard and, 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 and we struggle to make ends. It, that's not what he's talking about when he talks about suffering here. But to be clear, there are some types of real suffering that we experience in this life. Anyone who's ever walked through the pain of, of sickness, illness, disease knows about suffering. Maybe you're a cancer survivor, or maybe you've lost a loved one to cancer, and you've, you've walked with them through that difficult and, and often that dark journey through the pain and the suffering that comes with disease. Maybe you've experienced the hardship and the reality of divorce. Maybe you did everything that you could to try to hold a marriage together, to try to, to, try to make a relationship work, and, and, and you weren't able to do that because you can't force someone else into that relationship. You can't make that. And, and you've walked through that difficult, often painful and broken reality. And you know what suffering is. Perhaps, perhaps you have, not, not just merely speaking about financial hardship, but maybe you've walked through some really dark and difficult times where, where, where there was little where, and, and maybe that's a, in, in a material sense, but also just in terms of your means, your ability to, to uh, perhaps with, with an unemployment or a job or, 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 or physical disability or other things that you've, and, and you've walked through that season of suffering and hardship. We, we walk through difficulty and pains and trials in this life. Maybe, perhaps, this is another example that I thought of this week, maybe for some, it's the, the painful reality of a child that you, that you loved and you raised and you've watched them walk through the difficulty of destructive choices and, and painful decisions and you've had to try to love them through that, that process of, of highs and lows. To be clear, we, we experience real suffering, real hardship in this life. But even in the midst of that, we have the presence of God's Holy Spirit with us, walking with us step by step, leading us, guiding us through even our darkest hours and our most difficult moments so that we know that we're not alone. And so the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that we receive by faith, the same Spirit that is a guarantee of our salvation, the Holy Spirit of God works in our lives to enable us, to empower us, to persevere, to endure through the painful, the hard times of life. We can walk through life's painful moments because we, we walk through them with the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That spiritual growth is often, it can be painful. Another thing that we see is that spiritual growth, growth is, is gradual. 
You remember a few weeks ago when we talked about the process of bearing fruit, and we talked about the, the fact that fruit grows. It doesn't just appear. And that's an important part of our understanding of that spiritual fruit that develops in our lives. It doesn't happen overnight. The spiritual fruit that the Spirit produces in us, Galatians teaches, right? That the, the, the Holy Spirit works to produce that, the fruit of the Spirit in us. And that spiritual fruit that's a product of the, the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, it doesn't just show up all of a sudden. It's gradual. We bear fruit. It's a process in our lives of growing in faith, walking by faith, understanding. That's why this idea of growth is significant because we understand that it's a process that takes time. It's gradual. But growth also leads to glory. Though we may have to walk through difficulty and suffering, though growth can be painful, though growth is gradual, It's also important that we understand that growth leads to glory, which means that the more that we grow, the deeper we grow in our faith, the more we come to reflect the example of Jesus in the way that we live as we grow in our faith, as we grow, by the way, the word that we use often is sanctification, which just means we become more holy. We become more and more like Jesus. And as we grow, as we persevere in our faith, as we are sanctified through the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit, It leads us to experience glory. The glory, the the power, the presence of His Holy Spirit in our lives so that we have joy, fullness of joy, so that we experience peace, so that that we have power to do things that we would never be able to do on our own and our own faith apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. All of these things happen through the power, the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives, leading us to experience that glory is the word that he uses here, that we may be glorified with him. There's an element, there's a component of that glory that is is future. There's an element of that glory that we will not experience until we experience it perfectly in the presence of Jesus someday. But there's also an element of that glory that we experience here and now. God's good grace and his mercy that guide us, that lead us along the way in our spiritual journey so that we grow in faith and we experience His work, His glory through the presence of His Holy Spirit. The Spirit is a gift that we receive by faith. Have you ever received the Holy Spirit by faith? Has there ever been a moment in your life when you have trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and you have confessed Him as Lord and Savior in your own heart, in your own life, that you have received, literally as it's described here, the spirit of adoption that allows us to cry, Abba, Father. If that's never taken place in your life, then this morning, I would encourage you that you would make this the day that you surrender your life to Jesus by faith. And so in a moment, during our time of response, we're going to stand and sing a song together. And even as we stand and sing that song, I'll be standing here, Brad will be standing here in the front. And today, if you are ready to, sur- to surrender your life to Jesus, to, to, uh, to confess Him as Lord and Savior then you could come forward and we would gladly walk you through a prayer of faith that you would surrender your life to Him today. Confessing Him, as I've mentioned already, as Lord and Savior. But but not only do we receive that Spirit as a gift, then that Spirit, it seals us with the promise, with the guarantee as heirs, so that we may continue to walk by and live in His power, His presence, enabling us, empowering us to grow. Which really brings us to this point of, of decision. 
Do I see the evidence of the Holy Spirit in my life? Can I point to growth, the evidence, the work of the Holy Spirit guiding me, leading me, instructing me along the way? Am I still trying to live in my own power? Am I still trusting in my own authority, in my own ideas, my own way of thinking? My, that's the spirit of fear that we've been set free from, verse 15. So that we may walk in the spirit that we receive, the spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit guiding us and leading us. Are you experiencing growth as you trust in and walk by faith the Holy Spirit in your life? In a moment, as I've mentioned already, we'll move into this time of decision. And in that time of decision today, if you're ready to, to surrender your life to Jesus, to trust Him by faith, then I would encourage you that you would come forward and let us pray with you a prayer of surrender as we, as we sing this song together. And if today, if you know that you've trusted Jesus by faith, but you want to continue, you want to persevere, you want to keep growing and keep walking by faith, then I would encourage you as well that you would renew again your commitment that you would affirm again in your heart and in your spirit today the desire to live in a way that is surrendered to the work of the Holy Spirit as He empowers you to live by faith. It's often painful and gradual, but it always leads us to experience His glory in our hearts and our lives. May we be people who live for the glory of God as we walk by faith, His Holy Spirit you bow your head and close your eyes with me and even as we prepare for this moment of surrender this this moment of of decision i want to encourage you that that you would begin in prayer just asking god to reveal to you how you can respond in obedience to this word today how it is that you are to to grow go deeper in your faith grow closer to christ as you receive this word and put it to practice in your own life. So, Holy Spirit, would you work in us, move in our hearts, guide us to be surrendered and yielded to Jesus as we trust in Him fully for the forgiveness of our sins and we look to You for the grace and mercy that empower us to, to walk by faith. Spirit, guide us, lead us every step of the way. And this we ask in your name. Amen.